sometimes it takes what feels like horrible things happening to allow for the grace to come in and help you course correct your relationship, course correct your relationship, your dynamic. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is McLean McGowan, your host. Oh, welcome. If you're able, let's just close the eyes. Allow your sit bones to deepen down into your seat or the ground, or the bed. And in your mind's eye, see little shoots of plants traveling down out of your sit bones, rooting you deeply into Mother Earth, layer by layer, through the furniture you're sitting on, through the floor, through the foundation of your home or office or car, down through the cement and the layers of grass and earth and shale and rock, all the way down to the core center of the earth. Feel that heaviness of the rootedness planting your body into Gaia, our highest mother. And then keeping that energy there in your mind's eye, come back, traveling up layer by layer, once again to your own body, connecting back to your navel, the center, the powerhouse of our body, the origin of our embryonic growth. And in your mind's eye, breathing up through the back of the spine, vertebrae by vertebrae, lengthening the spine from tailbone up to the crown chakra, allowing the shoulder blades to ride down the back, the heart chakra to shine forward, keeping an ease in the navel center, a relaxation into the solar plexus. And keep that length reaching all the way up through the cervical spine, up through the crown. Connecting to all that is above you. All that is beyond the realms of our five senses. Connecting to God or spirit or Buddha or nature. The realms above. And then feeling that duality in your own body 
our head, our upper chakras reaching up to the heavens as our lower chakras, our lower body reaching down into the mother earth that holds us so strongly. So literally in your own body, we are joining heaven and earth. And you actually are doing that all throughout your day, all day. But we aren't conscious of it. And then bring your focus to your breath. Noticing where you might be holding in your muscles or your bones today, in your diaphragm maybe. If you're feeling any anxiety or nervousness about anything, you might be feeling that in your tummy or your solar plexus. So try to allow the breath to come in and allow for a deeper relaxation. Oftentimes when we try to control things less, they automatically relax. Taking a deep inhale through the nose, exhaling out through the mouth. Doing a couple of rounds of that deep, deep inhale. And inhaling a little bit deeper than feels good. Exhaling longer than usually you do. Pressing out all that old stale air. A couple more rounds just like that. So inhaling past your natural normal. And then if you can, taking a beat to hold the breath to retain it within the body. Exhale, blowing it out of your mouth. Being as verbal or loud as you want to be. Two more rounds like that. So deep inhaling through the nose, holding the breath at the top for three to five counts. And exhaling out when you're ready through the mouth with a bit of noise or a lot of noise. And one more. So if you don't have a lot of time, that's a really easy practice when you get a lot of bang for your buck. So if I do a couple of rounds of that long inhale, retain the breath, exhale, if I do five to 10 of those, I feel really energized and calm. So that's just an easy thing you can do like before after school drop or pick up or before you go into a meeting just to come back to your true center. Um, and know that you are light being, you are connecting the heaven and earth in your own body, in your own soul. And breath is life. So just bringing more life into yourself to fire you up in a good way so that you're ready to face the things that you are being called to face. So today I wanted to talk about partnership, relationship, 
And it's a big topic, guys. It's a big topic. Yeah, it's pretty magnificent to witness just my own journey when I think about it all. I have changed so much in 10 years. And, you know, it's so easy to say this when you're in a good place, but I really do thank all the things that I've been through, all the hardships, because they've been lessons learned and I'm a better person for it. And David's a better husband for it and we're a better couple for it. And not to say that there won't be huge explosions in the future, but I'm very optimistic that we now can handle things with so much more grace and so much more compassion and honesty when we go through things solo or as a team because of the work that we've done. And to be really honest, we wouldn't have done the work if we weren't brought to our knees, right? So sometimes it takes what feels like horrible things happening to allow for the grace to come in and help you course correct your relationship, course correct your relationship, your dynamic doesn't have to just be in partnership. This can be friendships. This can be business relationships. But, you know, a lot of times as humans, there has to be some sort of coming to Jesus moment or some sort of blow up to get our attention, to actually put the effort into changing. Because as humans, we don't like to change, you know? And it's funny because I, I always kind of was like, I love change. I like changing. And in some ways, yes, but the deep core stuff, no, I don't like change. It's so uncomfortable. It takes so much strength to fight against your habitual patterns. And when you're in partnership, it's so tempting and easy to put the blame on the other person. And I, of course, still do that, but it's, I'm finally, after 10 years, I really can accept that my husband is a mirror for me. And he's actually created a template for me to work through a lot of my shit, a lot of my issues, a lot of the issues I had with my dad, uh, some of the issues I had with my mom. I'm sure what is in my lineage, you know, I'm sure I'm working out some stuff that's generational, that it actually isn't mine, but it's something for me to to clear and release. And it's been a really big year of learning. And there have been a few moments in my marriage that has come to kind of a volcanic explosion where we were forced to seek out a therapist that we really connected to. And I say forced because what had been working or what had been kind of working was no longer working because neither one of us were willing to put up with certain behaviors. And it took that low and so easy to get caught in the low of just like the doomsday, the pity, the victimhood. Uh, why is this happening to me? How could I have chosen this partner? How can he see me this way? How does he see me this way? You know, all of those things, which are very real and I'm not mocking them, but it's just, you know, our thoughts are not who we are. Like our emotions throughout the day are not who we are. You know, they're, they're, they're moments, they're emotions, they're moments of time, but we attach to all of them so deeply. And 
especially for those of us that are stubborn, like we hold onto them like baby alligators, you know, with our teeth, like not letting go. Nope. Doesn't matter how much pain you have to go through. You are not fucking letting go to being right. You know, Um, I'm very, I'm very guilty of that. So uh, I'm very, I'm really proud of the work that we've done this year and consciously what we've been working on and deciding to do is to up-level our relationship. And I think someone put it to me this way years ago of a marriage upgrade, a relationship upgrade. And I think it's just such a perfect metaphor for that because we upgrade our computers, you know, how many couple months without even giving it a thought. It's like, it's such a positive. And there's this weird thing where in our culture, you know, you do so many things to prepare you for life. The right schools. You have to go to this school to get in this school to get in this school to get to this grad school to get this job. And I mean, by the way, all that's changing anyway. And I think it's kind of horseshit. But, you know, we've been taught that certain avenues of life lead to these other things that we want. And they do, you know, everything, you know, good in life does take work and time a lot of the time, right? But then we have this really unrealistic thing when it comes to relationships of like, you'll just know when it's the right person and then you marry them or you get into a long-term relationship and it's pretty much good for the rest of your life. I mean, having kids can be tough and blah, 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 but, you know, relationships succeed and it's, it's, uh, they succeed when you work your ass off to maintain them. And listen, People, some people are easier than other people. Like, it, this is all a continuum. There's no pro or con either. I mean, I think if you're, I mean, this is semi-biased of me, but I feel like if you are a very conscious person and really woken up to what's going on in the world and being mindful and how, you know, the patriarchy is beginning to crumble and, you know, all of the things that are happening right now politically and how that affects our gender roles and our conditioning and how we grew up. If you're conscious to those things, it's a lot that's going on. And so, of course, it's going to affect your relationships as well, especially if you're in a relationship that's man-woman because so many of the old patterns are getting questioned and called under the spotlight and it's uncomfortable on both sides. And I question everything. I mean, I really like to understand things. I like to learn constantly. I have a very deep spiritual practice in a lot of different ways. And I'm a Scorpio. And like, I did not come into this lifetime to just chill. You know, some days I wish that was my karma and my dharma of just to be like a really chill, relaxed person, just like going with the flow. And that's not who I am. It's like, I came to like, to shake stuff up and to talk about real deal things. And so it is against my very nature to not discuss things in my relationship or to let things slide, um, to not have real opinions about a lot of things. And sometimes, you know, I can be a bitch. Sometimes I can be really selfish. Sometimes I can be harsh in my tone. You know, I can be, I cannot say anything and I can have a glare that can like decimate because I'm not actually, I'm not much of a screamer or yeller. I mean, that my husband is the only person that ever sees, sees that side of me. And um, he's actually really sweet and that he supports me and 
being able to express that because that's been something that I grew up not being okay with expressing any anger. So I just stuffed everything down and that led to eating disorders and anxiety and depression. And so actually accessing my anger has been such a powerful practice of my journey of healing. Um, But you know, you got to like keep that in check too. It's like, you can't just be yelling all the time. I don't like that. But it is that coming back to that fire metaphor, like sometimes you need that fire to activate change. And so I'm not as scared about it anymore. It actually feels really good to be able to get fired up and express myself and like really stand up for myself. And the more that I practice it, the more that I do it, like each time it can be a little less, it can be a little less mean and I can self-repair and like repair the situation around me so much faster. Um, Because I think, you know, what you resist persists, right? So it's going to come, it's going to come up somehow, some way. So I do think it's better to have anything out than in, because when it it's in, it's a shame, suffering, more suffering, more shame, more guilt. Um, and it's going to come out some other way, whether it's through an addiction of porn or food or shopping or video games or, you know, booze or drugs or whatever, like it's going to explode somehow or just decimating relationship after relationship or being really mean to your kids, screaming at your kids a lot, you know? I mean, it's going to come out. So we have to learn healthy pathways in which to express our needs and our wants and our desires. And I think as women, it can also be so stressful when you have big blow-ups in a relationship because as mothers of kids, you know, the last thing we want to do is traumatize our kids, you know, with the separation or divorce. Like that's the last thing any of us want. And I know I'm not the only one in thinking this way because most of my mom friends, when we talk about this, this is what comes up of like, you get in a fight and then you're already imagining yourself in like the single apartment with your two kids and especially if you had a nice home before, like in LA, especially you can't afford that. So then it's like, you went from a nice home with maybe like a little patch of grass yard to now you're in two small, you know, one bedroom apartments that you can afford. Like it's, you know, it's, um, it's a thing to really want to pull the trigger on your family structure. And sometimes it is the best for all involved to split up. I fully support any man or woman that feels that, that has put the work in and that truly on a soul level, like that's the best thing. Like that is actually the bravest thing you can do is to leave or to set that boundary or try a trial separation and thing if and try to see if the things that really need to change within the relationship can with a little bit of space. To me, there's no weakness in splitting up it really truly is often the bravest thing to do. Uh, Because what I don't think is okay is just settling and living in status quo when you're miserable because you're going to make your entire family miserable for decades. And that sucks. You know, we don't need, we don't need to keep that old martyrdom alive. Um, But anyway, coming back to me, we're coming up on the 10 years. And as I've shared before, which you know, this may be breaking some anonymity, but I just, you know, you know, I love Stan Tatkin and you can find his books, you can find his audiobooks. I think it's a really beautiful thing 
as a couple to listen to them together. Um, but his work that we've been working on is creating the principles for your relationship. So looking at it as if you're a Christian, a metaphor would be the Ten Commandments. Like what are the main principles or tenets of your relationship that are non-negotiables? And agreeing, both of you coming together and agreeing that these principles will be maintained no matter what. And if they aren't, you are going to get called out on it and you have to make the repair and you have to apologize. And, you know, that's not going to be easy. I'm going to be the first one to admit that right now. Like that is not going to be fun when I break one (laughs) and have to apologize for it. But, and it doesn't matter what they are. It's for each couple to decide what that means for them. Some examples, which I will share would be these are these are ones taken from Stan. I, I should have printed the whole thing out, but um, just off the top of my head, some of them are putting your partnership ahead of everything else, which sounds like, yeah, sure, that sounds good. But that's actually very difficult for most of us to do because we let the kids creep up into the dynamic or even above our partner or work to be above our partner. And this is saying, no, we are now declaring that the top issue of our lives is us. And it's really massive. Um, So that would be one. Not letting anything come between that. Um, And that can be a lot of things. So it's like full transparency. And, you know, for a lot of us, that's not easy. Full transparency. Because, you know, do you have something that you're hiding from your partner? Do they have something... you know, you feel like they're hiding from you. It's getting rid of all of that. So for us now, because like, okay, for me, they're going to speak for myself and I'm trying not to like overshare too much about my husband and our relationship. But for me, I'm a real lone wolf. So, you know, I never like had this picture perfect mind of what marriage looked like. I come from divorced parents. I didn't really see a lot of relationships that I wanted to be in. Like even now, I don't really see any relationship that I'm like, oh yeah, I want our relationship to like that. I don't have any real modeling that that I, you know, want to be living. So it's actually really creating that for ourselves. And we're both lone wolves and Stan's kind of world of speak. We're both islands. So we can like go off in our corners and live really happily separated. But that doesn't make for great partnership. And then it's really easy to just get in your own vibe of doing your own life and not really sharing stuff with the other person. And then you can get like really annoyed with the other person because they're kind of treading on your territory when it you're used to it just being your territory. But if it's your home, it's both your territory. You know, it just gets like those kinds of things. So our journey has been more how do we maintain our own personal lives? Because we both are pretty introverted. We we like, I mean, we like some of the same things, but we also like different things. And also being, you know, mindful and realistic. Like, I don't want to go to all the things he wants to do and he doesn't want to go to all the things I want to do, but there are things that we can meet in the middle also. But like, you know, it doesn't break my heart if he doesn't want to go to like a dance class with me, you know, or a yoga class. Like that that can be my thing. I don't need to put that on to him. I mean, that's just a little example, but really learning for us has been important how to navigate partnership and actually being healthily dependent on each other. 
because codependence has gotten such a bad reputation in our culture. Like, don't be needy, don't be codependent. But humans are dependent creatures. And if you're totally non-dependent on anything, you're a sociopath. And so learning ways to be healthily dependent and then also able to resource yourself and not be not be happy or miserable depending on the other person. I think that's what, you know, the codependent kind of um, hashtag is of like, my happiness shouldn't depend on his happiness and his being upset shouldn't like ruin my day. But, you know, I think that's too, that's too base a description because if my partner is really upset and hurting over something, I should feel that too, you know, to a certain extent. I I should be trying whatever I can to make him feel better because we have to learn how to resource each other and not just live in this like isolated world of resourcing ourselves. And I think that's a really big topic that I could go into for an hour, but I won't. Like, we, you know, learning how do we resource each other? How, if we've had a stressful day, instead of, me just doing the things that feel good to me, like a bath and like watching a show on my phone and Netflix with my headphones on or, you know, for other people, it might be having a glass of wine or going in the other room and like, which I know, you know, a lot of men do do this, like going in another room and watching porn and like masturbating to relax or, or calling your girlfriend to complain or kind of, you know, have a venting session. Like not to say any of those things are just, bad enough themselves, but learning how to resource each other where I can learn, like maybe I still want to take a bath, but then go and cuddle with him and share my day with him for 15, 20 minutes and like really hold each other or have sex together. You know, I think we, we're in this society where we kind of hold independence as this crucible to reach for. And I know I'm guilty of that in my life, but with that, I think is a lot of fear of being vulnerable with someone else and being truly intimate. And as a society, we're all striving for quote unquote independence. But like, look at us, we're a sick fucking society. You know, we are addicted. You know, a huge amount of our country's on pain pills and drugs and booze and major porn addiction and shopping addiction. And you know, and so like normal that we don't even think about it, you know, it's, we've normalized such weird behavior. But anyway, that's just kind of a sidebar, but learning how to resource each other and that can be any little thing. And, you know, it's exciting actually to do this work, to learn what that is, because I feel like in couples, we like assume it's certain things and it can be so different when you actually take the time write these things down, talk to them with your partner, like really, whether it's an hour a week or once a month, you have like a four hour date and you have these discussions of like, what actually makes you feel good right now? You know, whether it's a foot rub or cooking your favorite meal or going to like a sports game that maybe you don't love, but it means so much to your partner that you're going with them. You know, whatever it is that just makes you feel resourced and loved and really seen by your partner, like that's all that matters, you know? And it's it can be like a little uncomfortable because we're so used to 
trying to fit into the boxes of like, quote unquote, what's normal? What are our friends doing? Um, and that doesn't work for every couple, you know? And again, coming back to me and like being authentic and it's, you know, I don't want to go out at night really. I mean, I'm, we're both really tired at night. So finding ways on the weekend, a weekend afternoon or during the week, having a really early date night, you know, whether it's just a walk or a hike or a really super early dinner, you know, it doesn't have to be like this huge thing, this overly romantic or lavish thing. It can just be like little things to find time with one another. Some other principles are learning just who your partner is and not judging it and just supporting them and loving them. And like, this is one example. I think I've used this like many months ago where like say we're at a work event and it may not be a place where David really wants to be or he's you know tired or whatever it's not his his people but I've asked him to come because it's really important to me for him to be there and so you find the middle path in every situation so both people are happy so for my example I've asked him to come because it means a lot to me and He's willing to come, but I also have to honor what his needs are too. So he could be like, babe, I'm definitely coming. I'm happy to support you. And like, I want to leave after an hour, you know? So at 55 minutes, I need to be aware we're coming up on that hour. So I need to say my goodbyes and not drag it out another 30 minutes, you know, not be passive aggressive about leaving. Like discuss all these things before you go into the situation. So they're very clear boundaries and you know what the expectations are and you know how to honor them in the other person. In doing that, we have cleared up a lot of blurriness. Even having a scale like one to 10, how much do you want me to do this? And if it's a three, eh, maybe we slide. If it's a nine, I really need to show up for him on that. And so just having like a dialogue about all these things. So you're just not letting like resentment after resentment after resentment build up. Because again, that stuff will come out. Another thing is not letting another person come between you, whether that's a family member, like does your mother-in-law come in town and then your partner kind of change based on your mother-in-law and their dynamic. And then you kind of feel thrown under the bus. That was just... An example that has nothing to do with my life, but that could be an example. So like just not letting another person come between the partnership. Like you guys are a unit. You're at the top of your life pyramid. And when those things do come up, you discuss them as a couple on how to troubleshoot it. And it's not going to be comfortable, you know, but that is how you create the safety within the relationship. And Stan has a term for it. It's called the couple bubble you don't have to call it that, but it's just, it's creating this like auric field around your partnership. Um, you know, if you have a friend that your partner really doesn't like, that your partner might not think is like a good person in your life, they don't like how they treat you, they don't think you're a good, they're a good influence on you, like whatever that is, but you still want that person in your life, that's your choice. But Maybe don't have that person over to your house when you know it's going to flare up your partner. You know, maybe that's a friend that you meet out for lunch once a month or you go to a movie with or whatever. But just being mindful, you know, just like kind of creating this energetic um, 
spiderweb with your person. And a lot of you might be doing this already. Like we're, we're learning this. Again, we married, my husband's uh, a good bit older than I am. And I hadn't been in any long-term relationships when we got together. So we're still like deeply, deeply learning this, but neither one of us are people that settle and neither one of us are people that accept being talked to in a negative way or yelled at or accepting passive aggressive behavior. Like we really, both of us have zero ability to accept that in a partner. And so, um, you know, it takes work to make that not happen. But I think we're so much better off because of it. And our kids are so much better off because of it. It's interesting, Stan shared with me recently that his whole reason for couples work was for the kids. Because he started when his therapeutic work, he studied for years and years and years about the attachment bond between mother and child and the development of children. And he said, not enough people were coming. I think now with Instagram and stuff, stuff has changed, but this is, you know, the last... 20, 30 years. And so the natural progression for him was to then start working with couples because he saw and could really tangibly see how the relationship of the parents trickle down and so deeply affects the development of your children that that's the way he kind of um, supports whole families. So it's not even just about like the couple work, it's actually for the kids, which I think is just incredible and blows my mind because kids are feeling everything. They're seeing everything. I think it's actually good for them to see us fight sometimes when we can repair it quickly and talk through it and explain why we're fighting because then they know when they get into fights in their own lives that they can repair it and they can come back loving and they can make an apology and they can receive an apology. And I think these are really big life lessons. Uh, I never really saw a lot of fighting in my household. So it always made me very, very uncomfortable. But when there's no kind of release, it's just bottling up. And then it's depression because it's anger on the inside. And then as a kid, you have your antenna up constantly, like reading the room, reading the people, trying to figure it out. What was your part in it? And it creates so much more anxiety and unanswered questions where I think it's actually pretty healthy to see charged words and then repair and then learning why your parents thought that. And, um, you know, we really, I mean, we try not to fight in front of the kids, but it definitely does happen. And we repair it just as quickly as possible. And that's another thing we've learned from Stan is which I love so much about him is he's so just brutally honest. He's like, you're fucked up. Every human is fucked up. We are fucked up. Humans are fucked up. Like period, full stop. You know, trying to spiritually bypass that piece is just dumb because you're just going to make yourself suffer. So um, just acknowledging that and no matter how many principles you put into place, you're going to mess them up because we're human and we have a lot of work to do to undo how we've been brought up, how our society has raised us, you know, all of that stuff. There's a lot of unlearning and unknowing to do, but you repair. You say, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry that it came out that way. I'm sorry I made you feel that way. That was not my intention, you know? And you just fix it because we, I mean, you know, in your own life, when you have a fight and there's no repair, there's no 
kind of positive that comes out of it and you just seethe for days and days. It's just a disease. I mean, you're literally like killing yourself. It's not good. So, oh, Stan, his his work has just helped me so, so much. And just taking responsibility for your own stuff. And I think in partnership, there's always a place for inquiry and for knowing more about yourself. Like I think therapy is really great for everybody to learn what makes you tick, what triggers you, where these things come from. So you know, you know, the origin of them. But there also comes a time where you're just like navel gazing also. It's just you're retelling the same story, which means you're re-triggering the same stuff over and over and over. And I don't I don't think that's really positive. I mean, as Stan says, self-analysis can be the death of a relationship because if each person is just so in the depths of like learning every minutia of everything, it doesn't help the relationship grow because then you're just so entrenched and this is who I am and this is why and this is my story. But like the stories change. I mean, the story is all perspective and it's just my reality. It has nothing to do with his reality or the other person's reality. So really just knowing that all of this is your perception of one thing that day. It doesn't make it right. So learning to listen to the other person and know what triggers the other person and trying to do less of that is just helpful. And not judge it. That's the other thing is we can get so much in like, my husband, blah, 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 blah. You know, and we can judge it because that's not our thing. But the thing is, you have your thing too. So that they're probably judging. But if you can just get more into acceptance of like, that's their thing. And I understand why that's their thing. Or maybe sometimes you don't understand why that's their thing. And you're so frustrated because you just want to know why that's their thing. And maybe you're not supposed to know. And maybe you just need to accept and love that this is your person. This is one of their things. You don't get it. It's not your thing. But can you accept it? And can you love them in spite of? So these are all the the big things that we'll continue to work on. But I am really excited to be at this place of making it 10 years and acknowledging the growth and acknowledging that we're still together and every day we choose to be together. And we have put the time, the money, the energy into building a better foundation for our marriage. And that I'm really, really proud of. Because for us, nothing is more important. The jobs, the house, the schools, the cars, the clothes, none of that means anything if we aren't happy. None of it. Literally none of it matters. That feels really good and authentic and real and attuned to spirit. Like I feel really attuned to my higher self right now. And um, I'm ready for all the abundance that 2020 is about to bring. I'm really excited. And I think if you make it a decade in partnership, you should celebrate, have a party, have a vow renewal, whatever it is. It could just be you two under a tree promising your next 10 years are going to be even better or whatever it is. Just, I think ceremony and ritual is a lost art and I'm excited to bring a little of it back into our lives. And our girls are going to be the ones helping us lead it. And that feels really poignant as well. 
So anyway, sending you all so much love as usual. Thank you so much for listening, for your support, for being here, for us, for me, for ourselves, for the community. And as always, please DM me or email me if you have people that you think I should consider to be interviewed or if you have topics that you would like to hear discussed. I'm all ears. We are co-creating this village together and wishing you a happy and abundant new year full of all of the things that you're ready to receive. Jema. Jema.